Good morning and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morning, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? A lot of talking points, a drama-filled tale of two halves when we went to Salas Park. Yeah, back to Premier League duty for the lads. You know, away to Crystal Palace always seems to have something controversial in it. Even if you go back to the days of Arteta as a player getting sent off in, in one of the games that we played there. And I mean, this match also didn't disappoint. The irony in all of this was um, Crystal Palace, I don't know if you saw, during the game they held up signs, you know, that they want VAR out, and, you know, bad-mouthing VAR. And the irony came in that, you know, it, we'll get there, but it kind of helped them in this game. And interesting to note, I don't know if you knew this fact, that um, this was the first time that Arsenal named the same starting eleven in a Premier League match, I think, after in a year, I think first time in a year. Wow, I didn't, I didn't take note because I'm so used to the, you know, the constant tinkering of the squad. I didn't expect that. No, it's a good bit of consistency. Um, you know, we we did we did come out strong in the, when the from the first whistle when the game started. We dominated, and it only took us you know 12 minutes in the game to break the deadlock. Something that we've been wanting for a while: Arsenal to start fast and actually capitalize on starting fast. I remember mean, it was a good build-up also because, I mean, David Luiz, halfway line, plays a decent through ball and then a quick interchange between, I think, was it Lacazette and Ozil? Yeah, Ozil, yeah. Uh, which led in Aubameyang to, you know, you know just like picky spot. And, I mean, we went 1-0 up. But then again, you know, as the, the, the half also progressed, what kind of <clears throat> disappointed me somewhat was, you know, we were playing with the wind. And, I mean, look at wind at Sellers Park on the day. It was very strong. And I was thinking to myself, you know, with that sort of advantage or that sort of wind gust also at your back, you know, have pot shots, have, you know, just pepper the goal, you know, for the duration of the game. But I think we were trying to be too cute constantly with this, you know, little intricate pass in and around the box. But, I mean, look, Gary Kale, give props to him also because he was throwing his body. It almost like everything because he knew they were under the cosh and he had to, you know, put his body on the line at all times then. He's a good defender to have. I think we missed out a treat with him, even if he's you know, sometimes a bit injury-prone. Mm. But he, he could have been used to done it, do a job, just like the likes of Johnny Evans was. But like you mentioned, the first half was very much one-way traffic. Um, you know, Crystal Palace couldn't seem to have get, gotten anything working, and we were playing this beautiful football, but not capitalizing on the end product. So at the end of the day, all this good gameplay was for nothing because we never bought a big enough gap for the yep. scoreline. Like, look, we now, of course, dominated the first half, but then the latter part, I think, of the first half, because this is also down to, you know, old habits coming again to the fore. We were giving away needless fouls in always constant danger, dangerous areas. And I mean, the sort of, of things we were doing all of a sudden, because I think you can even... Even if you watch, like, say, highlights package of the game, you can actually see the, 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 the way the game was starting to sway again, Palace's way late in the first half, because all of a sudden, we were starting to sit deeper, and I don't think Arteta really wanted that. And, I mean, they just kept on attacking, attacking. We were just ending up hoofing the ball to the halfway line, almost like just trying, trying to play for, for halftime. And, I mean, the ball was being met every time on the halfway line by Kale or Tompkins, and they were then just distributing the ball, you know, back into the danger area again. The similar to the Chelsea performance, you know, we started off very strongly. We could have buried the game or tried to make a bigger deficit. And then you just see that Arsenal's like a boxer slowly hanging on the ropes, trying to take the punches. Yeah, because I mean, look, their first real chance also came in that um, 
Crystal Palace in the 41st minute when they, when, um, what was it, uh, Kuyate forced Leno into a save. But I mean, even then, you could see the pressure was really on us because, I mean, at times we were trying to flood the, the, the box, even trying to stop, you know, shots being uh, rained in on our goal because I think that's also where uh, Torreira, in the confusion, Torreira and, and Pepe ended up colliding. And I think that's what forced him off in the first, like, you know, at half time. You know, before we go into the second half, Arsenal had um, 68 position, 68% position at the break, but only managed to register, register one shot on target. Yeah, uh, that is the goal. So, like, you're not taking, you're not taking advantage of actually um, the the dominance you have in a game because it's the Premier League. It takes one long ball, one corner, and suddenly the game's you know back to square one. Because I mean, I, I think you know with the sort of flack. You see also in the media, uh, Lacazette is getting. I think he needs to, you know, either somehow, because I think Arteta has also had a talk to him already. You know, he needs to somehow either take, maybe Arsenal take time off, clear his head, because look, there's also a lot of things been happening in his personal life. So my take is just somehow clear your head or whatever, because you can see that he he looks like somebody that's always on the edge when you watch him play. That's why he's, he's not control. Like I mean, I, I was actually surprised in that build up to the goal that he managed to you know get this little intricate pass off because other than that he's always you know letting the ball bobble towards the the play he's passing to or when he takes the ball on it's always like you know bouncing away from him because he's not taking it cleanly with the first touch. Yeah, um, he, he seems he does seem to be struggling a bit, and I think we need we need him now. I mean, we'll we'll get into why we need him more than ever in the next few games. But, you know, going on to the second half, um, after witnessing, you know, a kind of a dominant performance of Arsenal, you know, not taking the chances, but having Lucas Torreira coming off for Matteo Guendouzi. And Torreira was doing a good job watching yeah. the midfield, in my opinion. And I think after Torreira came off, Arsenal looked a completely different side. Exactly. That was actually going to be now my next point, because for me, that was actually the turning point in that game. Because... All of a sudden, we didn't uh, did not have somebody now shielding the defense or and then sitting deep. Now you had Gondosi come in, and it's not like he, you know, I don't know. Maybe in his mind, he's thinking he's doing something like for a good cause. You can't blame him. The guy's young, or whatever. But for me, uh, it's also like something where if you're not following, say, direct orders that your coach or tactics that your coach is giving out or your the, his assistant coaches, then I mean. Why bother to be on the field? Because all of a sudden he did almost like he had his like his own agenda, and he was like you know just galloping forward with runs. And all of a sudden we started getting you know with look you know Jaka's not the fastest, but I mean he's been also playing quite well so far. But I mean all of a sudden Jaka is venturing forward, Gudosi is venturing forward, and all of a sudden the ball gets hoofed along, uh, you know hoofed forward, and almost like our whole back line is uh, exploited to the attack line of of uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's it's that combination that's important. I mean, you you play Torreira with a Xhaka, and suddenly Xhaka's game is completely a different one. But the moment Quintozzi comes in, he is he's all over the place, and you need him to to stay disciplined if you're going to to kind of play with the two defensive mids, especially with Xhaka not being able to cover ground as much as mm-hmm. Torreira. It's one thing if Quintozzi and Torreira play together and kind of let just the radio sit, but it's not going to work with Shaka there. Yeah, and then, I mean, 54th minute, the IU goal comes in, a scruffy goal, I mean, almost like a total melee in the in the Arsenal box. 
the ball manages to somehow break to IU and when he takes a shot, it flicks off David Luiz and loops past uh, Leno 1-1. And you think to yourself, you know, this after such a good performance, and I mean, you know, we could have stepped up a few probably in the league a bit since we, we were 10th. So, you know, we would have wanted to press on the advantage, but now it became an ugly scrap, which us as Arsenal fans know Arsenal are not normally up for. And for me, I think things went from bad to worse. Um, the Aubameyang red card was a bad decision, but I do think that Paul Tierney was quite um, inconsistent on the day. I mean, uh, Jordan Ayew committed so many fouls. I don't know if you noticed that, but you know, he never he never gave him really a booking. Maitland Niles makes one foul and he gets a yellow card for it. You know, so very inconsistent. But challenge on Aubameyang, you know, it, it didn't seem as bad at first. But when you watch it over and over, it was quite a nasty tackle. And, you know, it's probably debatable 50-50 of whether red or not red. But I think, in my opinion, that did seem like a red. When I saw it and watched it, I didn't feel, have a good feeling about it. No, I mean, I could hear you yell immediately when he fell on the touchline, uh, Maya, Max Maya. But, I mean, when I saw it, I mean, it was actually it was like an ankle breaker, if you think of it. Because it was not not that, that he's a malicious player, uh, Bamiyang, but... You would see it was almost like what did they say a, a forwards challenge. We, you know, they almost like too clumsy the way they're going into it. They don't mean to now say into the player, but uh, you know, if you compare to say that tackle on on Pepe against West Ham, when that uh, I forgot who the guy was from the left back, I think. Yes, yes, yes. Having on Pepe, and I mean, he ended up connecting with a, what's it, a lower knee and and uh, shit, which I mean could have been also a leg breaker. So, but. That is where, the, as you said, now the inconsistency, inconsistency because that is the, the that's also the point where I start getting fed up with VAR because you, you always see it, it, it it's, at the moment it's always the, uh, it's favouring say the Liverpool's or sometimes Man City and that but when you see now everybody outside of the top four then they are the ones that are getting more done by. but I mean as I said Aubameyang that had to be a red straight red. I read it, I read an article somewhere. I just can't remember the source of it. Where they said Arsenal would have been fifth if there was various VAR decisions, or and one point behind Chelsea if if VAR had got the decisions kind of spot on. Because remember that two points Arsenal dropped was it against Palace when Socrates scored and the ref said no, it was a foul. Yeah. Then you have to look at um, even the Chelsea game where. VAR should have come in and said that um, Jorginho should have been or sent off for a second challenge or the referee made a, a mistake by not second yellowing. And there's, there's more decisions that along the way, if you look back at where Arsenal should have, you know, had something go their way. But it seems that VAR is not in Arsenal's favour at all at the moment. I can't remember, recall a decision where I can be like, OK, this worked in our favour. I mean, I'm sure you saw that Robertson challenge on in that game over the past weekend, which was almost like a leg breaker in the ref. Of, and even VAR said, nah, it was there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah, we, Liverpool have been getting the rub of the green lately with that. Yeah, so I mean, that's why then they wonder how they're getting so away with the unbeaten record. That is also part of the... Not to, to, to be so <laughs> theorist-like, but I mean, this is my opinion. But, we, but where, where we can see that Arsenal have improved, I mean, you know, take Arsenal back a month ago, give them 10 men, do you think they would have ironed out the performance like for the rest of the game like they did But I mean, give, I, give props also to Arteta, eh? because 
Yeah, those also balls he moved when he take. Um, and of course, look, Ozil had to be sub because you could see in a game like that when you're already down to ten men, you're gonna be struggling. You're gonna need runners, and only for him to actually go to an attacking play instead of you know midfielder or defender type of thing, you know, to bring on for that last quarter of the game and let Martinelli play it. I mean, for me, that shows balls. I mean, props to him. Yeah, and, and Arsenal did seem the team more likely to kind of, you know, win the game playing with the 10 men. They seemed yeah. that with, at the end with Nicolas Pepe, you know, eating the post. And Lacazette, maybe a, um, a better informed Lacazette would have smashed that in or, you know, dinked it over the keeper. But he said, kicked it straight into, I don't know, he's pronounced his name Kuaita or something like that of Crystal Palace. And I mean, look at that. Uh, I think four minutes prior to that, Socrates also had to do a goal line clearance from a Tompkins header. Oh, yes, 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 also, yes, yes. You know, everything on a knife edge. But that point that I just want to reiterate now with what you said with Lacazette, that just shows you also how out of form he is because I think a Lacazette on form is going to either dink that or, you know, blast it into the roof of the net. Because I think it was all like too simple to, you know, you just don't like, you just try to blast it, low drive through the keeper, which I mean was never going to happen. I think if we had a bombing on the pitch for that, I think, you know, in his form, that would have been 2-1 Arsenal and we walk away with the three points. Yeah, but I mean, like, the last, I think, five minutes of injury time, then, I mean, Arsenal were just clinging on to the game because Palace almost, like, threw everything because they knew, like, with a win, all that. But I think they were almost, like, also outdone by, by certain, you know, like, little mind games by Arsenal because, I don't know if you recall, they let uh, quite late in the, in the game, when Palace had a, a free kick and David Luiz just breaks off from the wall and goes to yes. the ball and walks it back to a couple of feet back. I mean, he was right, but I mean, I think that also took the concentration totally off Palace in that, that final part of the game. It was a good move on his behalf. Yeah. So, we end off that. We switch our attention now to the game this afternoon. Arsenal versus Sheffield United. You know, up there with the least memorable of the of Emery's games, if you think of the return game, or the, the game we played early on in the season, where we just, I mean, from I think from the get-go, we just did not look on the ball. And since it was quite a negative type of football we were playing, I mean, we were rightfully punished. And also, our bad defending was also exploited in that game at, at Premier just, just to give you a, a bit of context of this game, the Blades are currently four points clear of um, Arsenal. So, you know, it's, it seems that Arsenal are the, the lower-ranked team playing against Sheffield United. And just also not having a bombing in the game, those who are, 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 are sports betters, you can see the odds. I wondered why it was almost, you know, double your money back. And I was thinking, why is this? And I realized, you know, Arsenal's playing without the top goal scorer in a bombing. So... This could be a very well a ticky affair, even though it's at the Emirates Stadium. And I mean, Sheffield United, you can't also take lightly because, look, they've shown now this whole season since under Chris Wilder that, you know, they're a team that can also mix it up. They can play their long ball. And just when you think, OK, that is their brand of football, they'll all of a sudden start playing this ticker-tucker football, you know, that quick, slick passing. And then they'll cut right through you. Yeah, and I mean, they'll be motivated because if they beat Arsenal, they'll go fifth, even if it's for 24 hours. But they will have that opportunity. So, you know, it's, there's lots to play for for Sheffield United. It's not just a game where, you know, they're hanging on for dear life. They, they, they can see, you know, light above them. So they will try to push and see if they can get the result at the Arsenal. I mean, my take on, on the game now with this afternoon is, 
you know, start forcing your style of play on them. Because, look, you're going to have now, look, I think that the Emirates is probably going to be packed this, year, this afternoon. So, you know, use make that to your advantage. Because, look, the crowd are now, uh, you know, feeding off the positivity of Arteta and of the, the you know, the, the style of play. So, you know, let that get us firing to go off against uh, Sheffield United today. Because I think we, you, you can expect them to go to, or, try, or attempt to go toe-to-toe with us. So I think it's also going to come down to our, you know, fast passing, but also to our fitness. Because I think if we can, hold, you know, almost like we can pace ourselves a bit like that United game. We can really, you know, you could see when they want to, almost like we could decide when we're going to up the tempo of the game try to slow the game down, then pick up again and whatever. And eventually that almost like wore uh, United down. And that sort of pressing was almost like forcing them into sort of errors. And I think that is where we can start, you know, doing other job like that on them as well. And then also, I just want to also add, you know, their key players, when, when I do that, opta, you know, that stats thing that I, I try telling the, the, the listeners, you know, who's the, the most consistent or, or the key players for them. And I mean, it's all three of their midfielders that are... So it just tells you the sort of work rate and performance they are pushing out every week. That, that You know, they are the, the key players. And it's all three that's in the middle of the park for them. They almost have that type of Liverpool-esque midfield where they, you know, the midfield doesn't do anything glamorous. They just work their socks off for the front line to, you know, try to do the business for them. And I think Arsenal are going to be in for a battle today, even though they're at home. Um, Martinelli, I think, will probably slot in on in on the left-hand side to have a front three of a um, Martinelli, Lacazette and Pepe. I think that should be enough to trouble the Sheffield United defence. But, you know, they have they have been very tough to break down. I mean, this is also a chance for them to shine, eh, Aiden? Like, if you think of it, like, look, Lacazette can finally think, OK, I don't have Aubameyang breathing down my neck. I've, I can now lead this line on my own. So let me show Ateta, look, I can do it. And I mean, same can be said for Pepe. Now he can show, look, I can. Look, he was like firing blanks, if you think, take of that at games early on in the season under Embry. Now he can almost like try to express himself, you know, like really start running. Because you can see the uh, defenders are actually hating it when he starts running straight at him. I think the only part that, that, that sometimes annoys me of him, he does the dribbling part, but then when he gets to the box, he kind of runs right out of ideas whether he should not pass, shoot, or whatever. So I think if he, he gets that sort of angle to his game, or that edge to his game that he was known for at Lille, then it's going to be, you know, a hell of an asset. And then, I mean, of course, uh, Martinelli, you know, what more can be said about the guy? Always plays his heart out for the club, and I think he's going to also try to, you know, put up a, put out a performance today. Yeah, I think if if the, the front three is firing and you have Torreira doing his job, yeah. we could walk away with the three points. So now we move our attention to the midweek game. You know, games are coming thick and fast now for Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea versus Arsenal at Stamford Bridge. What's your take on it? Chelsea, very erratic at home. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there is a chance to get at them, it, it will be now. Unfortunately, without Aubameyang, I am a bit worried that we might be a bit toothless. I think that game could peter out into a draw. Chelsea, not you know the greatest form at home. And like I said, Arsenal still trying to find the feet. It's going to be Lampard teams tactically to know what to do. And, you know, Arteta still doesn't know yet with this Arsenal side, you know, who is his best eleven fully yet. And with injuries as well and suspensions, I see a draw or possibly a Chelsea win. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I, I think on current form, yeah, Chelsea go in as favourites, of course. I mean, I, I checked the beating odds or so. Looks, you know, very positive in their favour. But, I mean, as you said, very erratic at home. Also time for us to get some payback because if we can, you know, look, down, our defeat came down to fitness at the end. I mean, if you think they yeah. both came, it came to fitness and quite bad blunders at the end. So if they can, you know, iron that part out of the game, I think, you know, we can go toe-to-toe with them. And I mean, look, the key players so far, I mean, going now even into 2020 has been William, who's, you know, almost like one foot already out of the door by Chelsea. And then, you know, Tammy Abram, who's almost like been one of the sensations also of the season in the Premier League, because I think he's now already up to 13 goals in the league. So, I mean, you know, it's phenomenal, you know, uh, take from, from, from somebody that was like on loan, you know, always sent out on loan, on loan. And now it's like he's got the chance and he's now firing on all cylinders. So much so that Olivier Giroud is on his way to Inter Milan, apparently. I don't know how true that is, but... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just about done. I think it's not just, you know, papers need to be signed, but yeah, that is a official transfer. And I actually, you know, in the probably the first few podcasts of the season, where I said, you know, Chelsea are going to not make top four because they have Tammy Abraham leading the line. I take that back because, like you said, he has been quite a sensation, actually, this season. Yeah, because I mean, he's put even like senior campaigners to, to shame if you think of his sort of work rate. Because, you know, I've, I've seen him take, you know, heavy, like, you know, real heavy knocks in games. But I mean, you just see him dust himself off and he's, you know, back to playing. So, you know, a key player for them. I mean, if anything should happen to him, I don't know how the season will play out. I think if Arsenal, I think three out of these two fixtures, three points is a failure. Mm. anything like four points you know you're not happy about it but you have to take it but I think three points if Arsenal win one and lose one I think that you know we're already 11 points adrift from top four not saying that you know that we we I know we should take it game by game but you 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 lose room now in these two games I just don't see us getting back and Europa League will probably have to be our way in and I mean I think what I found actually frustrating over this period now whether it's now Emery, Freddy, or now with Arteta. It's like, we just don't get the sort of run that we want. Look, you and I were talking, I think, a, a week or two ago about, you know, just string... I mean, even if it's for a start, stringing just three wins, you know, after each other. Yeah. And like, then you bolt from there, but it's like, you look, we're close, like, with that Leeds game. We could have also been out of sight by first half when Leeds were peppering our goal. Then you take that United game, okay, we, we you know, we ruled the roost there. But then, of course, you take now the Palace game into consideration where we almost like we, we just not, you know, that's why our goal difference is what's it now at the moment? Zero. So Let me just give a quick check. It could, it, it could possibly be zero. It's embarrassing. But still, it, yeah, you, you need to start getting the plus, in the, in the plus signs of that stuff, of the goal difference. Because it's like, we're just not getting that sort of, like, you know, rub of the green that we actually need. You, you, you being a bit modest to this, you know, actually it's minus two. <laughs> Still? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, that's now even more doubly annoying. But, okay, but I think we need to start getting, you know, you know, also, besides not just wins on our belt, we also need to get goals now. Start, you know, cashing in on goals. So, yeah, that's our end of the, you know, all the matches that we now reviewed and previewed. And now we switch our attention now to the talking point section 
Um, you know, you and I were talking now about the other day about the, you know, with, with always the, the coach's head being on the chopping block if things are not going accordingly, you know, with the, the way the team is being run or set up, etc. But, you know, this is where my problem now also comes with Raul Salnehi and that Vinay uh, guy. There are two CEOs, you know, put in charge by the board. And, you know, the board has also been also like set up by the Krunkers. But for me, it's like the scrutiny must also be placed with a, you know, positive or negative come the end of the season. You know, Salnehi's role needs to be also scrutinized because at the end of the day, they are the ones also greenlighting deals and that. And for me, at times, they are almost like greenlighting deals where it's almost like it becomes players that are, you know, just almost like there for the salary, as you normally would say, or, uh, you know, it's almost like our recruitment has also been, been suffering because almost like for every one gym we are, are say, bringing in, there's like two or three that are just like, you know, straight up mediocre. Yeah, 100%. And it just seems that sometimes we're buying for the sake of buying, not, not yeah. like, for example, Pepe was a good buy. I mean, he could turn out to be a good buy, but that money could have been used to to strengthen the team elsewhere where we needed to be strengthened. So how the likes of... I know, you know, we were happy signing Pepe, but other likes of Raul and Edu and Vinay, all of them could have green light signing Pepe, but not spending a large sum on a centre-back or uh, 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 I say someone that can take Bellerin's competition or another yeah. defensive midfielder. It's, it's all, like, you know, questions need to be asked. Yeah, because look, from the onset, even under Wenger's time, the defence looked weak. Then Wenger left, Gazidis was still hanging around. There, the problem could have also been somehow solved. Gazidis leaves, Raul comes in, and still, like, you can see... If you look at, at the signings that came when when um, Sven Mislintat was there with Raul and that with regards to defending uh, defenders and that, you could see the players that they brought in were always going to be the short-term solution, like Lichsteiner, Socrates, and that. They weren't going to be long-term. And for me, when you see that project kind of failing, look, that's why Emery got the sack. That is also where we as a club had to now you know, also stand up and think, okay, we need to tear up this plan. We're going to go say the Arteta way, but also going to start building up now with a more younger, you know, young but strong defense. And because you need some sort of foundation again, because at the moment the team don't really have that much of a foundation if you look at it. Because Luis is probably just going to hang out a season or two. Socrates will just keep on declining. So, you know, that is where, like, that core, that heart of that defense needs to be totally overhauled. Yeah, we, we definitely need a, a few fresh faces in the in our back line. Somebody that you can build with, like Arsenal, Arsene Wenger, you know, in his prime, always had like a centre-back, but he always had an up-and-coming centre-back that would be groomed to, to take over for the next guy. Like when we had the likes of, um, you could say, Sol Campbell and Adams, and you had Colo Toro that was eventually going to be coming to the wings when Tony Adams left. We don't have any of that anymore. It's just literally... When the we Arsenal only find a replacement when they need to, they don't have a, like they don't like they used to where they groom someone. So when it is their time to shine, when the like the main guy leaves, so called, you have your replacement. Like when Henri left, RVP was groomed to take over from him, and he did well. But we don't have that anymore. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I say that the club needs to either rethink where the way they're going to recruit for the summer, in which direction they're going to go, or you 
you know, as cutthroat as it sounds, then you let them go, Vinay and, and Raul, and you bring in somebody that's going to be more competitive, you know, that's going to make us even more competitive. Because at the moment, what, what kind of annoys me is you see them doing this the talking on TV. They do these little interviews. They do this and that and, and kind of show themselves. You don't see the CEOs of Liverpool or, or Man City showing themselves about or talking a big game. They do it, but they do it all in the background. And then you, when you next see, boom, this next star, this, that star, whatever. And because I'm also getting to a point where I'm also getting annoyed with certain parts of the fan base where they are saying about, you know, look, I'm not also the biggest fan of Stan Kroenke, but you can see this man is putting, somehow he is putting money or making money available to them. And it's just the way they are spending it because it's not him, Kroenke, telling them, okay, green like that, do this, spend there. It's them recruiting in a weird way, you know, certain players or in certain fields of the, of the team, like defense, midfield, attack. So it's not like they're just feeding him whatever. So I think you'd rather need, you know, real hardcore cutthroat type guys in that position to make that so, so those sort of uh, decisions. Because I don't think, I mean, I, I mean of course, you can, uh, you know, the split comes with, with the sort of budgets you're talking about, so Liverpool or, or uh, Man City. But I mean, Arsenal, they, they play a poor game, but I mean, they are a rich club. But it's also down, out, down like the Raul Sani and them are, you know, ending up spending that money because as we were now discussing constantly, that money, if, if I'm sure if, if you put other sort of CEO in charge, you would see, okay, this defense looks weak. It's like, it looks brittle. Even with all the tactics you can throw in, there's always like a, you know, chink in the armor. So, you know, get a, a sort of backline that's going to be almost like the real spine of that team. That yeah, yeah. Hold up on that. Attackers win you matches, but your defense win you leagues or competitions because you know, it takes one goal to score. But if your defense can hold out for you, you know you can win any yeah. game. Yeah, because I mean, there's been times okay, the United game, I felt comfortable, but I mean, there's been games now, prior, like even that Leeds game, that that's not just an FA Cup game. But I mean, I was nervous until the end because you never knew if you know one guy does a miss kick or miscue or you know. You know, most times he's a jump from an aerial across, and bang, we get you know equalized against us an extra game. Yeah, you, you look at you just look at things like you say the fights have been made, made available, and yes, Liverpool have been getting lucky. But you look at uh, Sadio Mane, I think he cost 30 million, right? You look at Mosal, I think he cost him 36 million pounds. That's combined is not even what Pepe almost cost Arsenal. So. The money is there. We're just spending it on the wrong players. I'm not putting blame on Pepe, but it's just the example. I mean, they signed Van Dijk for 70 mil as well, but they sold Coutinho for it. So they, they, they're strategic of how they do things, but it seems like Arsenal gets the money. They're like, okay, let's just keep the fans happy and say we did sign, yeah. we did sign, we did sign. Yeah, but as you were saying, I think it like a few minutes before you said, oh, like just signing for signing sake. You're not really thinking it through like, is this not going to be a valid sort of signing to bring to the squad? Or do I rather, you know, push this money, you know, all in on the defence? Yeah, so I don't know what's the what's the way forward. The only thing that I'm worried about at the moment and maybe a bit shallow is that I'm hoping Liverpool lose a game sometime. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like, it's almost like watching a raid machine going. Cause, I mean, I've now watched quite a few of their games and when I see the way they... 
I mean, if you see even from kickoff, even if the kickoff is like the opponent starts the game, they are already forcing the team to play in their formation. So all of a sudden, you have to adapt your tactics to, you know, to, to, to appease Liverpool in a way, if I can put it like that. Because they will start forcing you immediately on the back foot and then you're already down to, even though it wasn't in your plan, but then you're immediately down to roofing the ball up just to get the ball in the other half. And I think and that, the, yeah. No, go ahead, No, because I mean, that is where, as I said, with, you know, just touching on the, that Sheffield United game and that, that is also where we should start a game like that. Yeah, we, we we would need to, and you know, it's 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 uh, listening to a debate on I think it was Sky Sports. They were like said, talking speaking about Liverpool and how they feel that Klopp, you know, is a better coach than Guardiola. And you have to think about like you know, Klopp brings in likes of no-name brand players. I mean, Robertson, he spent what next to nothing to bring him to Liverpool and look at him. So he has an eye for talent as well. And I think Arsenal are missing that as well. I mean, we're looking for players, looking for players. We can't find players. But they are like so they are around here and there if we just open our eyes. I mean, Trillwell we spoke about, you know, a while back and now Chelsea look like they're gonna be in for him. It's just Arsenal aren't signing the right players. One thing also I want to just add about uh, you know with with Klopp and, and his team if you compare Squads, if like for me, we we Klopp gets the, the the nod from me. It's like he's built a squad even of youngsters that can go toe to toe with Premier League players. Because yeah. I mean, if you watch, I mean, I'm not sure if any of the listeners also watch that that uh, Merseyside derby. He played a core of youngsters. Because look, they at a stage now where FA Cup is almost like second or third up or third best option for them, but they don't care because Champions League and league is what that is now to them. But I mean, that kids went toe-to-toe with probably the full Everton first team and almost like made mugs out of him. I mean, the game was now decided by one goal. I mean, it was also one to go. But it was that same kid that caused us all sorts of problems when we played that 5-5 draw. And I mean, that is, uh, if, you, if you take the academy... And uh, for me, what, what impresses me in a way of that, that you can also compare it, say, to the era of, of, say, Alex Ferguson with, with that United, that, you know, that Fergie's, that, that these kids, we had the Beckham Skulls, etc., and the Neville brothers. It's not like I'm watching that coming, developing all from scratch, because you can see Klopp is developing this squad, and the squad to take them probably in the next five to ten years, if you think of it, with their age. I'm just hoping Klopp maybe decides to step down after winning the Premier League, because <laughs> Liverpool are, are really running away with everything at the moment. To be honest, you know, I never thought I would say this, but I think they're probably the best team in the world at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they've proved it now. And, I mean, the way they've taken even the likes of Barcelona apart, when you think it's just really Barcelona, <laughs> on about. Uh, so, back to us now. Um, with regards to the transfers, uh, there was talk now of uh, Levin Kuzawa coming in, since we're now really short in the left-back uh, department because of Kolasinac I think he could be missing a game today because that ankle injury is not fully healed and just remember he's, they, we keep on playing him we, before that ankle can fully heal but I mean on the other on the, on the positive note I mean uh, Kieran Tierney he is now like starting to, uh, running training I mean he's not even in match training level yet but he has now started running and, and, and doing uh, various exercises and that too build up that, that uh, muscle again with a shoulder problem that he had. Uh, and another player we've been linked to, and I think Edu is actually meeting uh, p- possibly this weekend already with 
uh, I think it's Flamengo or Fluminense. Uh, um, the defensive midfielder Bruno Guimarães is a holding mid. I think he's about 22 years old. And I think this is also how we're going to start rebuilding that almost like the sort of spine in that middle. Because from what I heard, like Benfica were off him. I think I'm not sure if Chelsea also off him because he's like, you know, a real an old school holding midfielder. And I think he, that is what almost like appeals now probably to Arsenal as well or Edu and them. Because I think we need somebody eventually to, you know, to not only be there to say double up, say with, with uh, Xhaka or Torreira, but you it's a sort of position where you're involved in so many 50-50s and it's a very fuzzy, you know, the holding midfielder. I don't know if you've played it when you were playing football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sort of position where you're going to have to get into, you're going to have to break up, you have to get stuck in with tackles and that. And I mean, it takes a pounding on the body. So at times, I think your body also needs a rest to recoup from all that, you know, battering you do get giving it and taking it. So that's a one player, then a one player along with the Kazawa that I mentioned. And then, of course, uh, Arteta is also talking about between two and three loan deals because we are now short in the defensive department with Mavropanos now going to Nuremberg. That's now also official. And I think in, in midfield also, we need some sort of bolstering. Not, I don't think too heavy since we do have some mids, even on the youngs or the academy players that you can throw in. But I think defence, I would actually go even for two loan deals with regards to defenders. Yeah, I think we, we need to bolster that area more than anything else. I think our attack line can survive, but you know the DM and yeah. our defence, that if, if we pick up more injuries there, we could be in deep trouble. So, I'll end off the podcast now. Um, I hope you guys are having a fantastic weekend. Let's hope we can, you know, finally blunt the blades this afternoon. <laughs> Enjoy everything, guys. The football's going to be also a whole football fest this weekend. Enjoy. Bye. Enjoy, guys. <laughs>